Uh, this is a, a really big decision, and it's unanimous. Ellie Honig here, former federal prosecutor, um, legal genius, I would say. You have been poring over this. We literally just got speed this. Speed reading, so, yes. And it's hard to speed read this kind of decision from an appeals court. But what is the big picture here? So biggest picture, huge win for Jack Smith, unequivocal win for Jack Smith. The language in this ruling is very strong. They forcefully reject Donald Trump's immunity arguments. There's really three major findings that the D.C. Court of Appeals makes here. First of all, they reject this notion of blanket immunity. They, they say it is not and cannot be that a president simply can never be never charged passed. for anything that happens during his time in office. Second, the Court of Appeals in D.C. says, if we're asking the question whether Donald Trump's conduct was inside his job as president or outside his job as president, they say he was out of bounds here. Mm -hmm. He's not covered because he was out of bounds. So even if there is some immunity for stuff that's inside the presidency, this is outside he's that. way out of it. And then finally, they reject this, I think, ludicrous, I think we discussed mm -hmm. it at the time, argument that, well, a president can only be indicted if he has first been impeached by the House uh -huh. and convicted by the Senate. Remember, that led to the ridiculous right. hypotheticals about right. could a president order assassination. And so this Court of Appeals rejects that. So those are the three big prongs of this case. So I want to follow up on the middle part there, because it yeah. might have to do with whether the Supreme Court decides to weigh in here. Yeah. Ellie, there have been this range you know, of decisions now in state courts, in different federal courts here, that deal with the issue for Donald Trump and others involved with what happened on January 6th. Were their actions part of their federal jobs? Right, right. Or were they outside the scope of their federal jobs? 100%. <laughs> of the rulings at the state level and every federal level has ruled that they were outside the scope of their jobs. There's yes. been unanimity in this, given how unanimous this has been at every level, broadly speaking, and I think the stringent language we're seeing here in this federal appeals yep. court panel ruling, does this make it less likely that the Supreme Court will get involved? I think it does. It's still 100%. Now we have one more example right. of a court forcefully rejecting the notion that what Donald Trump did, Mark Meadows tried to make this argument, Jeffrey Clark tried to make this argument, everyone who's made this argument that what we did in connection with what led up to January 6th was somehow within our jobs is over however many now. And I do think this unanimity makes it more likely that the Supreme Court may say, no, we don't need to, to interfere. And let me, John, I'm glad you asked that because I actually pulled a quote out of the decision that I think goes to that exact point of was Donald Trump somehow within the scope of his job? The court writes, former President Trump's alleged efforts to remain in power despite losing the 2020 election were, if proven, an unprecedented assault on the structure of our government. Uh, he allegedly injected himself into a process in which the president has no role thereby undermining the constitutionally established procedures and the will of Congress. They say, not even close, absolutely outside of the bounds here. That is pretty much as clear as you can get it. Yeah. Um, they go up against all of his ideas. Are those the three arguments that the Trump organization and the Trump lawyers are making? Did they just completely slash those? Yeah, I don't think Trump's don't team can say, well, how about argument right. X that we didn't make? Right. I mean, there, there was six or seven different arguments, right. but they all fall into those three buckets. Yeah. I mean, again, on my first quick read of this, it's a very thorough, really point-by-point -point dismantling of Trump's argument. Carol Polisi, another wonderful lawyer, defense lawyer and former <laughs> prosecutor here with us as well to understand what's going on in this. I do want to note the Supreme Court this week will hear a separate case dealing with whether or not Donald Trump can be part of this election, whether his name can appeal on state ballots. There are a lot of people who think the court will just decide that, yes, he can be on the ballots. 
does this provide an opportunity for them to split the baby to say, yeah, we're not going <laughs> to say he can't be on the ballots, but on the other hand, yeah, we're not going to bother with this immunity thing. Yeah, absolutely. There is sort of a cynical view out there that perhaps the Supreme Court does engage in sort of horse trading that is John Roberts may be sort of behind the scenes getting votes on one and trading for the other. Now, obviously, that's not the way the Supreme Court is supposed to be. It's supposed to be immunized from political issues. Right. But obviously, so this this the, the Colorado case that is we're going to hear all our arguments with on, on Thursday. Um, I personally believe and I think the sort of consensus is that they will rule in Trump's favor that in fact he can remain on the ballot in, in all 50 states. Now the rationale through which they get there is another story. However, um, you know, so that that obviously would be a, a pro Trump ruling. This case provides an opportunity to provide sort of, um, you know, a, a strike against him. I don't think it's really uh, in and of itself as strong of a case for the court to take up as Ellie was just yeah. noting. It could easily just rubber stamp the this decision. The reason it took so long, four weeks, I think they were, you know, crossing their T's, dotting their I's so that the court could easily dispose of, of the, the cert review and say, no, we're going to let we're going to let this stand. So um, depends on how cynical you are in terms of with the Supreme Court. Very. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. I think everyone is. Right. Here's a quote that I think really yeah. captures the spirit of this ruling and it comes towards the end. The court writes, quote, at bottom, Former President Trump's stance would collapse our system of separated powers by placing the president beyond the reach of all three branches. Collapse our system of separated powers. So that's a sense of the tenor mm. of this decision. There's not much ambiguity about it. I agree with Carolyn. I mean, look, Supreme Court can take whatever case they want to take. They don't have to take right. any case. And if they don't want it, they just say, well, you know, Trump certainly will ask them to take it. They can just say, pass, what's cert denied, the, we're not taking process? it. What's the process? What's the process? So the process is, Donald, ordinarily, a person has 90 days after they lose an argument like this to ask yes. the Supreme Court to take the case. But Paula was just laying out, here's the mechanics of what the Court of Appeals did that's really going to force Trump's hand. They said, I think they said February 12th, they said, mm -hmm. on February 12th, unless the Supreme Court has told us to hold up, this is going back down to the district court. So that's going to force Trump's hand to go to the Supreme Court within the next six days and say, I want you guys to hold this up. How many justices have to say, yes, they want to take it up? You need four in order to take up a case. Okay. Yes, four to grant certiorari to use the Latin, I guess it is, terminology. We will wait to see. They could do the very simple thing of just not taking up the case. Right. And then it stands the way it is. And go. every single court has agreed with this decision. So there's yep. no really other place to go. I understand that Paula Reed is with us again. Paula, you have some new information uh, coming into you and we want to hear it. What's going on? Yeah, what's so fascinating about reading this, uh, hearing the analysis on set, uh, clearly the Court of Appeals, while they've been knocked for taking so long to come out with this decision, and they really are setting it up for the Supreme Court to make it as easy, easy as possible for them uh, to not hear this case, right? They are giving them a timeline that overlaps with this question, these oral arguments about ballot eligibility, and the way this opinion is written. Let's listen to some of the things that they said. They say, quote, former President Trump's alleged efforts to remain in power despite losing the 2020 election were, if proven, an unprecedented assault on the structure of our government. He allegedly injected himself into a process in which the president has no role, the counting and certifying of electoral college votes, thereby undermining constitutionally established procedures and the will of Congress. 
And it goes on and on like this for nearly 60 pages, an incredibly strong opinion. So while there have been a lot of questions, uh, even from both sides, about what was taking so long, uh, this is an opinion that, uh, again, really sets it up for the Supreme Court uh, to perhaps not take up this question. Even sources close to the former president agree this is not a terribly strong case. And the larger strategy here is to delay. And then the Court of Appeals setting up this schedule uh, to move this along quickly on the same week that the justices are already hearing another Trump case. So a lot of questions about why this took so long. But if you look at the language, uh, the strength of this opinion, it becomes perhaps more clear why it took them so long, even on an expedited schedule, to get us this answer. And the, the, the most important thing here is the language, but it's also the unanimity mm -hmm. of this court. Unanimous means not a single justice looked at this and said, you know, maybe they have a point. Every single court, every single justice in this particular case has said, no, you're wrong. There is no immunity for you in this kind of case. But I do want to ask you this, Caroline. Is there anything that Donald Trump's team can try and go up against, can try and appeal. I mean, as an attorney, appeals are, you almost expect there to be a push to the Supreme Court. But is there anything now that they can pull apart? Well, certainly they, they can make the, the application for the Supreme Court. I, th I think sort of Trump uh, makes, his lawyers tend to sometimes make such frivolous arguments that arguments that they do make that are meritorious sometimes get sweeped up in right. that sort of um, ideology. This was not a uh, sort of superfluous or um, crazy argument to, to make. There is, you know, presidential immunity is not in the Constitution, but it's, it's been around since 1983, Nixon versus Fitzgerald in the civil context. And so expanding this, you know, aperture to include criminal oh. immunity is not crazy. It, it, it was a far, uh, it was an argument that, that ultimately ended up losing, but, but not a frivolous argument to make. Tanya Chutkin, uh, sort of against her will, had to sort of right. say hands off of this case. She put a stay on everything. They couldn't even, uh, the Trump, Trump team even uh, refused to accept discovery in this case. They said, we don't even want to move forward with anything. She, the the the, uh, the date was taken off the books. She of any of these uh, judges in any of the criminal cases uh, with Trump was the one that really wanted to get this in sort of before the deadline. So we'll see if she can get this back on track. It looks likely. Ellie Honing, again, we now will have to wait and see or hear from the Supreme Court or hear nothing, I suppose, from the Supreme Court. Yeah, if they deny it, they'll say we. Were they'll not say okay. The, if they do deny it, then how quickly? Can this get before the district court? It's a great question. So remember, this case had been set for trial for many months for March 4th. That was a date we all had circled on our calendars. But just last week, Judge Chuck, and I think correctly recognizing the reality, if we've now been sidetracked for two months right. with this from the time the, the appeal was filed until now, said it's, it can't happen March 4th. But the question is, how quickly can she get it back?